We're going to start from jump. So what's going on, everyone? This is We Don't Know Yet, a podcast where we learn something new every single day. This is your co-host, Brian. I'm here with Encima. We're joined with a very, very special person, Eric Can. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, y'all. Let's go. Let's go. So we're going to dive all the way into what you're doing now and all the different parts of what makes you super, super special and what makes your work incredibly impactful. But before we jump into all of that, can you give the listeners a feel for who you are, what you do, and what makes it exciting? All right. Hey, listeners. Um, my name is Ari Can. I currently live in Los Angeles. I'm from Southern California, Rancho Cucamonga, Fontana in particular. So if you caught next Friday, you know, you know where I'm from. <laughs> okay. Rancho. R.I.P. Depot. Oh, my God. Yeah. COVID is real. Please take it seriously. Um, All that to say, I am originally from Nigeria. My family is originally from Nigeria. I'm born and raised in California, though. And um, let's see, just generally, I would say that I'm somebody who grew up in a very multicultural community in Rancho in Fontana. And that enabled me to have a very global mindset starting from being a little girl. And so as a result... I am super passionate and committed to uh, uh, creating solutions that transform the world that, that are meaningful across the globe. So currently today, I am that. Can you hear that? Sorry. Yeah. You it's can okay. Hear things. It's that's, okay. That's okay? Uh, yeah. You just, this is real life. So people are going to listen. Okay. In. It's real life. It's real life. Okay. So I'll just do two seconds before what I said and we can jump right on back in. So I uh, grew up in a community that was incredibly multicultural. Like I, my best friend is from Taiwan and I have another friend from Europe and I had Vietnamese friends and Ghanaian friends. So I always felt like I was in the world, like really in it coming up. You know, mm-hmm. Senegalese woman, Togolese woman braiding my hair, but the Korean guy is the guy that's selling us the tracks. And like, you know, I just always was around a lot of cultures, a lot of accents. And so as a result, I got really excited very early on about global problems, global solutions, just where were all of these people that I was coming up from, where were they from? You know, mm-hmm. and I also grew up in a Nigerian household where, where so it felt like in our household was Niger. And then when you got onto the sidewalk, that was when you were in the United States. <laughs> it's just like, you, once you came into our household, you were in Nigeria. So all that to say, I've always been someone really curious about uh, many different worlds and just like a global, global perspective around me. So today, I am the founder and CEO of Paper Trail Media. Paper Trail Media is a production company that is uh, creating shows and films that tell culturally rich stories about money and finance. So I hope during our time together, I can talk to you more about my journey into finance, my journey into storytelling, but essentially I am am super passionate about um, just transforming the economic circumstances and economic opportunities for various communities around the world. And I felt like it was really cool and essential for us to talk about money given how taboo it is, uh, especially in multiple cultures, through a medium that a lot of us get excited about and can connect with, which is entertainment, which is pop culture, which is Netflix, HBO, iPhones, etc. So thought that that was a really important medium to start to influence and transform economic trends and the global 
economy through a very mainstream medium. But on top of that, um, also in the early stages of uh, building out what will likely become uh, an investment firm that invests in venture, that invests in private equity, that invests in infrastructure and uh, real estate and some key global markets. Um, so I'm really excited about stepping into more aggressively a role as an investor and uh, generally right now I'm especially excited about telling stories that help people really build a strong relationship with money and their, and their value globally. Well, I'm curious about your story because when someone pulls up your Instagram, they see uh, the travel 23 countries to trace my kin's multi-trillion dollar money value. And that First off, the fact that you've traveled 23 countries, you look like you're very young still. So yes. I want to know how the hell that, how, how you manage that because okay. a lot of people don't really leave their state, uh, right. let alone their country. Right. Uh, but then what's the whole multi-trillion dollar value? What's that mean too? So let's get into that. All right, let's do it. Yeah, so um, I first started traveling when I was 16. I'm a classically trained musician. So I play the clarinet, saxophone, flute. And uh, so we went on tour when I was 16. And so we went to Spain, Switzerland, and France. So um, immediately I felt like I was on my Josephine Baker, James Baldwin, Louis Armstrong, Maya Angelou <laughs> pretty early on. And again, the, going back to the global perspective, honestly, I grew up in the United States where despite being Nigerian and immigrant, I was very much exposed to the uh, challenges of being a part of an immigrant community, as well as the uh, racial dynamics of being someone Black in the United States. So literally, when I went to Europe, got to play Black music, and I saw audience, like thousands of people that were majority not Black, mm -hmm. saying applause, applause, applause in a language I didn't understand because they wanted more and more and more of my creativity and more and more and more of what I created from my own body and fingers and breath. After that, I was just like, oh, this world is big and I got to get out of any other person's bubble and get into the worlds where I get to feel seen and validated and get to explore and get to connect with people from all backgrounds. And it's not always about race. It's about, you know, our ability to connect with soul and music and creativity and art. And uh, so that experience at 16 really opened my eyes and Honestly, ever since then, I always had a travel bug. So I went to college at Claremont McKenna College. And honestly, it's a pretty well-endowed school. So I did my best to make sure I was besties with every dean, every budget holder, every person that would pay for my travels. <laughs> okay, So all the college students out there, don't you be afraid of all these people who are in these offices who are solely there to ensure you have an optimal college experience. So essentially what happened was I befriended a number of professors. Professors had projects that they needed to do over the summer that were in foreign countries and they didn't have the bandwidth to do it because they had kids and like all these other things. So I got my college many a times to pay for me to travel to the Bahamas and go into slave archives and literally be in the Bahamas, go in the slave archives and watch as I saw line by line by line them catalog different slaves that were coming through the ports. Like wow. literally that was my job for a week was to document love letters that plantation owners would send to their wives back in Britain and the ways that they would talk about sl people, slaves, as Poppy and Jojo and Bobo. And I'm African, so I know those Africans are not named Poppy, Jojo, and Bobo. Their name is, you know, uh, you know, Mina and Kwamina and Ujoko and like all yeah, of those yeah, things. Yeah. So I'm just like, excuse me. 
excuse me, what is this erasure happening in these 400 year archives? So that was when I was seeing those things and I didn't pay, I didn't have to pay for that experience, but I was learning and I was really seeing history at a meaningful level. Um, I just was like, okay, I'm going to always have somebody pay for my travel period. And then also I'm going to go to the areas that are not popping on social media that you aren't just thinking like, Hey, it's lit. We out here. Like I'm going to go into the dungeons of various societies and really trying to understand the inner workings of these places. So essentially I ended up traveling abroad to Brazil and that opened my world up to Brazil. And my purpose for going there was to study the relationship between Africa and Brazil and all of the amazing Afro descendants in Brazil. And honestly, I had never been to Nigeria um, until after college. So when I went to Brazil, that was my, the closest to Africa I felt like I could get. That was the closest to Nigeria because it's so black. Um, it's so African. So honestly, I say that I traveled uh, the reverse of the transatlantic slave trade. I've done that. So I've gone through the south of the United States, through the Caribbean, through Latin America, southern Africa, all the way up north. And um, yeah, how have I traveled that many times or these different places? Again, I always find someone else to pay for me to go somewhere. Uh, another medium for how I am able to do that is I'm a public speaker and I'm a paid public speaker. So people pay me to share my perspective, usually business strategy. Um, um, uh, people pay me to do workshops in their organizations. And so they, I get flewed out a lot. So they fly me to these different places and I make sure I have time before and after to immerse myself in the culture and immerse myself in the society as opposed to just, you know, generally being in and out of various places. So those are those, those things. And on top of that, I make sure wherever I go, I tap into my alumni network, my college network, or my friend groups so I can couch surf, be on someone's couch and not pay for a hotel. Therefore can stretch my dollars even more and stay even longer in the place that I'm trying to go to. So I'm someone who had a period of being very frugal, maximize other people's money to go where I wanted to go, tapped into my skills to even prompt the opportunity to travel and um, really recognize that I wanted to immerse myself in other parts of the world just as much as I was immersed when I was coming up in Rancho. There it is. There it is. So we're going to be best friends. So you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned something that you and I uh, have in common, which is OPM, yeah. right? This all the time. I don't want to spend my money. Let's spend some other people's money. Oh, yes. So I'm, I'm curious to know... Oh, yes your relationship with your parents mm. and how much they instilled certain values in you that then manifested themselves in travel yeah. and storytelling and finance um, yeah. and how much of, I can imagine you're 16, you're traveling the globe, you're traveling Europe, you're playing music. Um, we're, we, and Simon and I both have African parents and we both know that, um, their actions can either encourage or stifle right. your steps. So tell us a little bit more about your relationship with your parents and how much of who they are lives through you. Okay. So um, thanks for asking. So I would say a few things. One, my parents are both Nigerian and they are the most hippie Nigerians you'd ever meet. And I, and I don't actually know if that's a thing. Like, I don't think Nigerians come in the form of hippie, at least not parents who travel from uh, Nigeria in the 70s and 80s to come to the United States. 
But fortunately, I was blessed to have some very open-minded um, parents. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that to say, at 16, you know, they, you know, patted me on the bum and, you know, I went on my way. But ever since then, they're just like, all right, Eric is in another place. I'm sure she'll be fine. <laughs> we trust her. So it, it took some time. But I was always a very like, diligent student. I was always very on top of my academics. I didn't need to be encouraged. I didn't need to be motivated. I was just like, all right, cool. I'm going to get this clarinet. We're about to get this solo. We're about to like, you know, conduct this band. And then I'm about to get these grades. Like, it just was like, and, you know, still be, hey, yo, what's up, Eric Camp, da 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 Like, I could still socialize and still, like, get my stuff done. So my parents didn't have to be on top of me. But I would say growing up early on, my parents um, uh, kind of, de- they showed and they didn't tell. They showed and they didn't shout, if you know what I mean. They showed, meaning my mom would wake up 3 a.m. every single morning and drive three hours to Los Angeles to work in the Los Angeles Unified School District. And three hours one way and then three hours back. So my, I mean, that's hustle. That is grind. That is commitment. And so as a result, my brother and my sister and I, we kind of took care of ourselves. So we made our own, my mom would make, bre- make breakfast or sometimes we would make our own breakfast. We would pick each other up on our, like from school on our own and make sure mom didn't have to worry about those things. So we kind of took on the responsibility of looking out for each other really early on. So as, since I was like four or five, I was just always like, like just on it and um, when you wake up seeing your mom grind like that and um, I used to go with her to LA so I would be in that three-hour traffic with her and I would just see her pick up all of her team members and she would bring them to the office so my mom was really a leader a major major leader especially amongst immigrant women Mm-hmm. And I saw that she would, she would work with like Latinas and she would, we would go to their house and we would pick them up on our way to LA. So I'm in the car and I'm hearing Spanish accents. I'm hearing, you know, I'm hearing African accents. I'm hearing uh, the voices of black American women in our car. And we're all going to, you know, whatever high school that they were working at that particular day. And I knew that my mom was going to go manage cafeterias across Los Angeles Unified School District in the middle of Crips and Bloods gang culture in LA and the 90s you know my mom's a cheat like it's just she is that girl okay and so I saw that growing up and so I just was like all right cool so I come from a hard mama like she's she's a, she's the truth then I know there's no excuse and I want to do right by her like I'm not here to waste her time you know what I mean and my mom was never like a hard mom or anything like that you just you should just lead by example one other thing I would say is my mom would bring back so my mom managed um um, cafeterias across Los Angeles. So she would just make sure that young kids got food. She would make sure that young kids got a meal because in many cases that was the only meal that they would get mm. all day because you're dealing with LA. So you're dealing with people who have a lower socioeconomic, et cetera. So my mom was a champion and an impact agent through food. And I always appreciated that, but she would bring home the books. So I grew up as a little kid, like going through the accounting on every single school of the school district of Los Angeles. So I got very familiar with numbers early on and I just got so fluid and com- comfortable with being like, mom, you're short. Mm-hmm. This, this particular location is short. And I just, you know, was good with the calculator, et cetera. So I want to just champion my mom in this moment as being the first economist, the first mathematician, the first accountant, the first money mind that I ever got very close exposure to because that really transformed my ability to use other people's money to go travel here, da 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 
stretch a dollar, da, 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 da. like I saw my mom do that. And I also advised her on doing that. And I was a kid. So um, shout out to my mom. She's amazing. So my dad, he is a professor um, and he has a PhD in communications. So I come from a family of orators and storytellers and people who would be in the village and they would sound their voice and the whole village would come to them and hear a story or hear the message of the town. So um, I'm some, I get from him my ability to put words together and my ability to kind of inspire, activate, and know psychologically what beat to hit to make people feel a certain way. And my dad's also very boisterous, very social. Um, so I got sort of like the swagger from him. And so I say all that to say that my parents were very free beings and fluid beings in their own right. And I think I got the math brain, the practical brain for my mom and the sort of like life of the party, you know, eloquent, we'll say that some stuff to get you together, kind of for my dad. And together that made for a very curious young child who was supported by them to explore the world. So from all of that, what, what is it that you're doing now? Like, you know, you traveled all these countries, you told us about how you went to different places and learned about the slave trade, which is amazing. Um, mm -hmm. But there's also this back end focus on economics, money, money yeah. management, you're yeah. paid to speak in a lot of places. It seems that you have a lot of hats. And yeah. I'm trying to figure out what is the main hat and where's everything else? Well, the main hat right now is a production company where we create stories and we sell those stories to you know uh, media and entertainment players here in LA um, potentially in Atlanta and otherwise so we're in the content creation business yeah um, to give you more context though as to why this particular type of media entity why finance why this economic story how does this piece all together so I'll just give you my career trajectory so you can just like really kind of get the story so essentially I uh, I'm trained as a biologist and so my career yeah, I'm trained as a biologist. <laughs> were, were you not expecting that? There's another hat. <laughs> Listen, so I was trained as a biologist and growing up, I was, you know, bullied in school for being like the African booty scratcher. And this was back when it was not cool to be African. We all remember those days, right? Uh, <laughs> when it wasn't cool to be African, it wasn't cool to have these long games and the whole deal, right? So my whole thing was like, okay, cool. I'm around people who are so ignorant about my country, my, my people, but I'm also seeing these Feed the Children commercials and I'm seeing National Geographic and nobody's doing me any service to make me feel like we're actually moving out here. So I'm seeing these very, you know, poverty porn related visual images. But I, the first thing that I saw was the health issues. So you know, this was also the time where HIV and AIDS was becoming incredibly prominent, especially across African nations. So I was just like, all right, well, I need to make sure my people don't die, not any more than they already have. So we need to shut this AIDS thing down. So, so I essentially became a biologist and uh, entered into public health and global health. And um, in doing that, I was able to be exposed to a lot of health issues and recognize who are the people that are most sick or who are the people that are most overexposed to health challenges. I noticed that they were usually people of color globally and people who are lower socioeconomic. So I was just like, okay, at the end of the day, you're going to get sick, not necessarily because you're overexposed to the disease, it's because your economic status is constantly going to incubate you with crap that is going to create you know this byproduct of health issues but it's really an economic issue so essentially i went to nigeria for the first time on a health research study 
and uh, a woman that I was um, just kind of in the area with, she said to come over to me and she was an elderly woman. And you know, in our culture, if an elder speaks, you listen, you defer, you stop everything. And you like, yes, madame. So this woman said, um, go back to where you came from. And you know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm in Nigeria, you know, like we're gonna, we're gonna take care of these health issues. We're gonna fix my job, it's gonna be great. And she was just like, not interested in any of that. And she said, we don't need your drugs. We need mm. roads. We need jobs. We need infrastructure. We need schools. We don't need another malaria tablet. And when she said that, it literally changed my life. Because at the end of the day, she's saying health issues are a band-aid to the deep guttural problem of our societies, which is poor economic planning, poor infrastructure and poor intentionality on creating a healthy quality of life mm -hmm. so when that woman told me that i completely changed my entire life i switched careers i left healthcare and i went into entrepreneurship i went into tech and i went into finance because at the end of the day if my original motivation was to keep my community alive i knew that i needed to tap into the economics of what that looks like in order to really keep my community alive so I went into finance um, and transitioned to working at LinkedIn, where I worked with um, clients in financial services, helping them um, essentially grow and expand their business on LinkedIn and got more exposed to how money moves. You know, when your clientele are all financial services from asset management to hedge funds to venture capital, you're seeing them, they're talking about millions like it's, like it's toilet tissue. They're just like, oh, I want a glass of water. I want a billion today. Like, you know, like it's just, it was so casual to hear people talk like this. And it was the best thing for me because it gave me a confidence in speaking about money at the highest level, knowing fully well I had never seen that kind of money realistically. But it gave me a comfort. It gave me a confidence to engage with people who historically don't look like me in those spaces. So I was in finance, but I was around a lot of white men. Uh, being in that environment enabled me to not be afraid or intimidated by being around white men and certainly not be afraid to be one and only. All, my job was to make sure, how do I find the money, figure out how to double it for my client, and then in, in the process, figure out how does the money get stopped at some point and not get back to Africa and not get back to Black communities. And not, like, my point was to find the gaps and how money does not get to the communities that I told you all earlier, I was dead set on impacting. So um, the way that we get to the storytelling piece is essentially uh, I went on a journey through these travels to really understand like how does capital flow around the world and why doesn't it go to brown communities? Why doesn't it go to African communities? Why doesn't it go to women? And I realized it doesn't go to women because those same communities aren't speaking up or don't have the same platforms to acknowledge their value, the, the, the unique things that they bring to the world. And so uh, people who manage money don't see them. Yeah. The people who manage billions of dollars don't see black entrepreneurs in the U.S. because they're not around them. And black entrepreneurs in the U.S. haven't figured out not everybody has figured out their branding strategy, their ability to tell their story and why they're building the most important solution tool or whatever that's not only going to generate billions of dollars but have an incredible impact so i realized what's the fastest way to enable more people to tell their story at scale so everybody's mind changes and so that more money and more capital flows to the communities that deserve it i was just like well entertainment mm -hmm. so that's kind of how i got there and um yeah does that answer your question 
Yes, yes, it does. It does. Okay. I want to. I want to piggyback on that because I think that was um, for folks who are listening. It gives them um, a comprehensive look at all of the different variables that plug into not just health, our economics, how we move through a space, um, our life trajectories. All that is kind of. It's not just one solution. It's a multifaceted issue. So I want to go back to something that you said that I thought was really key. So you painted this whole picture and people are saying, all right, so this is something that's going to have a lot of different solutions and there's a lot of things I need to know. So particularly for young folks and particularly for those who are black folks, what are the top three things you want them to know about finance as they walk mm. into 2021. Mm, 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 mm. Add okay. to that, if I could add to that, because yes. I think that that's a, that's a real big one. Because I think folks are going to say, "All right, walk into this new year. What do I need to know? What should I act on?" But then you mentioned like the psychology, or you mentioned in a previous conversation like neuroeconomics and yeah. how the money plays a role in finance. So could you yeah. maybe for those a little bit? Yeah. So the first and foremost thing I think is important for anybody, regardless of your background, is recognize that your upbringing, your programming, your, 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 your culture, your influence around you has likely shaped your relationship with money. And I really encourage you to think about how whatever your influences have shaped you in a way that is favorable for you and maybe in a way that has maybe not been so favorable for you. And you may not be able to pinpoint it just in that first initial thought, you know, say this episode ends and then the next five minutes, you just have this huge aha, but recognize that your relationship with money is probably influenced by whoever was around you and really think and reflect, is that relationship one that is reflective of where I want to go in my life? So a lot of people think like, oh, I'm not good with money. I'm not good with numbers. I, so, you know, so it's just so hard for me to do all these things. Why do you think that? Do you think that because your mom said that? Do you think that because someone told you you're not good at math? And so you just thought that because you weren't good at math in the third grade, you're just never going to be good at math. Like, what is that? Because those are such small, delicate, seemingly insignificant things in your life story that literally will influence your ability to attract means, let alone money in general, like attract the means that you need to survive. It'll influence your ability to um, build a business. Like I think a lot of folks don't realize that financial literacy, yes, but your relationship with money, whether you believe you deserve it or not, whether you believe you're allowed to ask for more of it or not, all influences your ability to build a business. It influences your ability to run a family. It influences your, your ability to be a great partner in a relationship when you know there's a, a money-related re- uh, element to your, your partnership. So the first thing is to start having an honest conversation with yourself about your relationship with money. When do you get uncomfortable? When do you feel like you need to like get out of the room and like get out of certain circumstances? Why are you uncomfortable? What, what maybe did you learn growing up that made you think one way or another about money? Um, so maybe having those honest conversations because that mindset is the fundamental, most important aspect of anyone's ability to either make money, keep money, grow money, multiply money, invest money, build wealth. So it's the mindset that's the number one uh, most important thing. And then the second piece I would say is identify your gifts. And I think a lot for a lot of people that can seem like, okay, I don't have any gifts. I don't know what I'm good at. I, I just don't even know if I'm good at anything. Um, 
I could, we could do another sort of situation where we, we do a whole exercise on how do you identify your gifts. But essentially I'd say, you know, think to yourself, what have people told you that you're good at? If you're an engineer, but people tell you you're funny, you actually have a gift of humor. If you are, you know, if you are a bodybuilder, if you are, um, if you are a designer, but you, but people also tell you you're compassionate, that probably means that you also are good with people. The reason why I say do an audit on those things is because when you go into a job and they tell you either what they're going to pay you or you're in a, a state of negotiating what you're going to do, what you're going to earn, I want you to remember those gifts and know that you should add a premium onto whatever someone is offering you because you bring that extra value add. So if you're going into a job and they're like, you're going to do so great. You're going to code for us. Bop, boop, 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 bop. But you have really amazing, great communication skills. And you know, for sure, most engineers can't talk. Nobody, they couldn't even talk to a wall, but you know that you could talk to a wall and around the corner, the homeless man and the, the lady across the street and the, this, and everybody would love you. You are more, even more valuable to that organization because you can communicate with others. If you're compassionate, you're even more valuable. If you're able to make people laugh, you're even more valuable. So it's so important for us to just, just let ourselves have talents, let ourselves believe in our skills, even the ones that, especially the ones that are effortless, because it's when we move in rooms that will pull on those things consciously and subconsciously that make us more valuable, enable us to shatter some limiting mindsets and limiting beliefs we might have on our own worth, and our ability to earn and our value and all that to say will allow us to you know close that gender uh pay gap allow us to close that racial pay gap allow us to say you know what i don't know anything about x thing over there but i'm a great talker i'm a great communicator i can engineer so you know what i'm gonna put myself in that room because at least that one skill i know i can add to anyone else in that room and if i could just add that skill maybe they'll bring me on to something that could potentially make me more money, give me more relationships, give me more access, help me learn something so I can then take it back to my family, help somebody else get it. So that's uh, the second piece. And these are all simple things, right? Generally pretty accessible. It's not like you need to read a whole book to think about these things. And then the third thing is start talking to your family and your friends about money. Mm. Start talking to people. Hey mom, what do you think is, how much money do you think you're spending on Christmas gifts this year? You think it's more or less than last year? Why do you think so? Oh, you think it's lower? How did you spend your t stimulus check? How did you spend it? When did you get it? Did you not get it? Mom, you didn't get your stimulus check? Why not? Oh, because you filed for taxes late last year? Wait, let's figure that out, mom. Sis, bro, cousin, let's think about wills for mom and dad. Let's think about getting them some wills because we don't want to be in a position, you know, we had a few scares this year with COVID. It made us a little nervous. We should probably think about what happens to our parents in the event that something happens and we need to just make sure everything's good. Mm -hmm. So I say those three things and I think a lot of us can get caught up on like, oh, stocks and futures and all those other things. But like those things are so important and you can go to some, so many people online right now, we'll talk to you about that. I'm just let you, I'm going to let you know right now, as someone who, I didn't even mention this in my story, but I've experienced homelessness. I've been at zero pelletas. I've been negative before all of those things. And I will tell you, I can't say the specifics, but I'm currently working on one of the largest deals of my life. 
And, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it came to me because I learned how to get comfortable talking about money. It came to me because I learned how to say, I don't know how to do that kind of deal. I've never done that kind of deal, but I have relationships. I know some other people who know how to do it. So I remember telling somebody, um, uh, that I'll just say it, who you all have actually had on this podcast. I yeah. told somebody, I said, I want to do this deal with you, but I don't have my own money. Mm. Would you be open to figuring out a win-win if I brought you money to this deal? And this person said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I was about ready to, before, before I proposed that to this person, I was like, oh, there goes another deal that I don't have money for. Like, I can't do it. And he was just like, that's not even an issue. Because guess what, y'all? Here's the thing that I really want everybody to know. There's multiple forms of capital. And mm. it's not just money. Right. Can you expand on that? What do you mean by other Absolutely. forms? Is it social capital? Yeah. What else? So there's, there's technically seven forms of equity, according to Patrick Beck Dave, Beck David, who is one of my favorite um, business and money influencers. And essentially he says, and I might not get all of them, but essentially there's like financial capital, there's like relationship capital, social capital. So you have relationships. You know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy or a gal or a gal or a gal or, or they or they or they, whoever. Um, there's cultural capital. There's your um, understanding of, oh, you know, you want to expand into Asia? Well, I think you should go to Singapore versus Vietnam. Here are all the reasons why. Here's who you should maybe talk to. Here's how, here's how the mobile network works in Singapore and why Vietnam would be kind of challenging. That little bit of information warrants you having a percentage on the deal okay um uh language if you speak a certain language maybe you you're you're engaging with somebody who's less, just like you know what i really want to do something in mexico but i'm not quite sure uh if we'll be able to connect with the people how are we going to hire a team if everyone speaks spanish if you speak spanish attach yourself to that opportunity and say i'll take three percent i'll take five percent i'll take ten percent and i'll hire a team because I speak your language, whatever that language is, and I speak the language of the local people, and I'll make sure you get solid people because we also speak a similar language in the quality of people we want to work with us on, a, on any particular venture. Um, and there are a few others that I might be, I'm, I know I'm forgetting right now. Um, sweat equity is another one, so you put in your time. So if you come in on a deal, you come in on an opportunity, you put in your time, that's equity. You should negotiate on that. You don't always have to work for free, y'all. Mm-hmm. You can say, okay, cool. I'll get 3% on the revenue that comes out of this. I'll put in my time now, but I want 3% equity in the venture, which means once there's a liquidity event, you'll get 3% on that roughly. Or you could say, okay, well, I'm going to put in work now. If it makes you hundred K, I want 3% of that hundred K. Um, so I think that's almost seven. I'm sure I'm missing Oh, intellectual capital. So if you are um, a scientist or you're a designer and you know how to uh, be the designer person on a team, that's incredibly valuable if they have only storytellers and only operators. They're going to need somebody to design that so you get equity in either the revenue, the money that comes out of your shared effort, or the, the stake that is associated with your shared effort. I think those are seven. I don't know, though. Who's counting? I wasn't able to keep count on that. I think it was six or seven. So I, I'm pretty sure you had I seven. Close, right? Okay, cool. You know, but Erica, there's there's a lot of information that I feel like we can get from you, and I don't think we have nearly enough time. Okay. Um, but one thing that I, I really want to try and see if we can 
you know, get out of you is uh, from everything that you've talked to us about, it seems that you've made a lot. By the way, before I continue, how old are you? 29. 29. So at 29, you have made it seems to be like a ridiculous amount of successful pivots um, and changes in terms of your focus that are able to um, that, that allow you to be able to really utilize the gifts that you have is it seems that you were in something and you were doing okay, but you're then pivoted to something else. Use more of your gifts, something else. Now you're public speaking and you're using those gifts that you got from your mom in terms of able to handle numbers, et cetera. So you've done all this. And right now in 2020, I have so many friends that some of them have maybe lost their jobs and some of them are maybe like, well, I have more time to focus in on this thing that I'm good at that I'm not making any money with right now, but I'm scared to try to do that right now. So what do you think gave you the, uh, I guess the courage to move through all the fear of going into something unknown, even though you know that you have something there, but currently Ooh, that's, so good. that's not a place where you've been. Um, that is such a good question because I've had to do that several times this year. I think the first part is embracing that um, your fears is okay. And that your fear is um, a part of it. So not guilt yourself for being afraid. Um, So top of this year, y'all, I was planning to launch an investment firm. Like that, I was planning to do a whole different thing. This was a pivot because of the year. It was crazy. You know, I had a whole different plan, whole different plan. And when the year went down, it buckled. I was just like, you know what? That plan will always be able to be achieved. There's this one thing that's gnawing on me that I'm so afraid to do because um, I'm, I, I've never done it before. I've always done it a little on the side, but I've never tried to make it my main thing. And that is storytelling. I've always been a storyteller, but I, I always, it was always a value add. It was always like, okay, cool. I'm a salesperson and I might make you laugh in the middle of it, but I'm not going to full-time try and make you laugh. I'm, you know, I'm a public speaker. I, people are asking me to help them do strategy for their company, but I'm not going to fully say that I can stand up in front of a whole audience and just tell a life story and that be good enough. You know what I mean? So I, I, I empathize a lot with that sentiment and I really, really, really want to make space for people embracing that you are going to feel scared. You're going to feel down. You're going to feel maybe um, paralyzed by your, by the uncertainty. And I want people to actually embrace that. Like, I don't want people to be like, Oh yeah, just do this one, two, three. And you won't be afraid anymore. It'll be good. Like 2020 in my opinion has shown us we are not above feeling down. Mm. We're not above feeling scared. Nobody's just going to skirt, skirt past uncertainty it's just not it like we we, we wrote, wrote all these hustler blog posts to be like top five tips on how to blah, blah, blah. but it's just like yo you got imposter syndrome all right join the club yo you don't have anybody around you who can encourage you around what you're trying to do boom join the club it's a part of it so i just want people to honor it for a minute just give yourself a beat and be like okay i'm scared cool once you're there <laughs> Once you're there, get your Googles going. So find out, okay, what is this thing that you're trying to do? Are you trying to figure out how you can stand up a t-shirt business? Are you trying to figure out how you can get into a whole different industry? Like maybe you're in um, product management or maybe you're 
you work at Amazon or something like that in a, in one of the factories and you, you were manufacturing, what do they call them? Manufacturing destinations or whatever, but you would like to be corporate. You would one day like to get into the office and be a salesperson, whatever it is, Google that and be like, how do I transition from bop to block? How do I become a comedian? How do I do whatever? And then ask yourself that next question that everybody's asking. How do I make money from becoming a boop, 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 boop? Go ahead and let Google know what's up, <laughs> okay? Mm -hmm. Ask Google because there will be people on Quora. There'll be people on Reddit. There will be YouTube videos. There will be, you know, random blog posts from somebody in Sri Lanka who's given their, their five-step process on how they overcame their fear on how they sent an email to some random person who answered them back on how they tweeted or DM somebody to figure to just get a shot um, and, and, and just get there. So I want people to remember that like on the other side of their fear is information that they can always use and always access to take one step after another. And if you're really afraid of like, well, how will I do this thing? And how will I make money? And how will I do all those things? Ask Google that. Google will tell you and connect the dots. Okay. Um, the last little piece on that is um, really start to think, okay, if I'm trying to go in a particular direction, what relationships might I need right, right, right now? And then also maybe in like three months or maybe six months or a year from now. And how can I start trying to connect with those people more than anything, add value to those people, and then ask those folks questions. So I, yes, I have done a number of career pivots. Looking back in hindsight, all of them were leading up to the next one. It wasn't, I wasn't in some sort of scramble of, oh, I'm just going to leave this and I'm just going to leave this and I'm just going to leave this. And guess what? If that was your journey, don't judge yourself for that. You made a decision that you were like, okay, this space that I'm in right now is not where I want to go. I'm going to trust myself to go somewhere else that is better for me. I think I'm going to just say this really quickly. I don't like this notion of people being like, some such and such is all over the place. You don't know their life. You don't live their life. Get out of their life. And to yeah. the person who's living in that body, you better embrace that you have a really broad perspective, that you're able to understand on a deep level, multiple dimensions of life that others are not as blessed to have. Okay? You better stand in that. <laughs> Anywho, all that to say, I want people to really think about um, how can I... Um, if I really want something, how can I at least map out what success looks like? Who are my potential role models that I can now have? Is there a comedian out there who's done it well? Is there one random product engineer who's done something really cool? Is there an entrepreneur that I can seek inspiration from? And then the next part is have a little bit of courage and like a tweet, retweet, like repost an Instagram post, slide in a DM, connect on LinkedIn, send a cold email, and state your reality. Hello, my name is X and X, X and X. I am so inspired by all the things that you do. A few, few reasons why, one, two, three. And I'm trying to get into a similar space. And this is where people get it, get it, uh, don't get it quite right. They're like, help me. They just throw their whole body into the message and they're just like, change my life, please. And I want more people to, to instead ask someone a specific question you don't always have to ask for time. You don't always have to ask to pick somebody's brain. Ask a specific question that's related to your current situation. So your X and X, I'm so inspired by you. Here are a few reasons why. I am currently deliberating 
on whether I should move to X city, or I'm delivering on whether I should buy X course, or I'm deliberating on whether I should quit my job and start this thing. Do you have insight if you were in my shoes on what you would do? And just that's so easy for someone if they're open and they're available to, which also not everybody will be. So let's check our ego at the door and recognize it's never personal. Somebody doesn't get back to you. But yeah. on the flip side, if someone does get back to you, that's an easy, like, I, I don't live your life, but if it were me, this is what I would do and why I would do it. Godspeed, I wish you the best. Boom. Now you got a little game. You can walk on about your day, trial and error with that feedback and advice was. And if it works out for you, you now then build your confidence to keep going in that thing that feels so uncertain. So I hope that was helpful. Um, but yeah, I really want people to remember to use the internet to help them, you know, guide their life and don't feel silly for doing that. You don't need to have all the answers. Nobody does. Exactly. So I was just talking to a mentee of mine yesterday and he was having the same type of mental Olympics that was yeah. happening, right? He's like, We've all been there. right? What's next? What should I think about? Should I go back to school? Should I just yeah. go into a different industry? And yeah. I told him the same like use LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn, and I've said it on this platform before, is the most underutilized social platform that's, that's out right. baby. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> my business now that I'm building a lot of the clients, a lot of the people I hire is based on my interactions there. Yeah. And I don't think we as a generation have the luxury or the excuse to say, I don't know anyone in that field anymore. It's just not, we're not doing that anymore. You can't, you can't. It's not. So it's like now the onus is on those folks to jump on. Um, and like you said, I think myself included, I used to love that tagline. I've had hundreds of informational interviews from you know undergrad to grad school to all these career changes I made. Um, I would always reach out to people, mm -hmm. but I would always use that tagline of, let me pick your brain. But that itself is sometimes lazy, right? It's like, I'm not doing the work to see what you've done and why it's important for this conversation for them to even vet my inquiry it's like oh i just got to say yes because he's a student or i got to take 30 minutes an hour out my day there has to be a reason and a rationale as to why we're having this conversation so i really want folks to not miss that use linkedin use google use all these different platforms clubhouse. clubhouse like going down. people sleep people sleep on clubhouse um only because you know it's still in beta but jump on clubhouse get that invite and jump into rooms and just hear people out and reach out to them directly. So um, I wanna reiterate the three touch points you mentioned yes. earlier. And you said, you have to understand your relationship with money. Yes. Um, and if needed, change your relationship with money. The second one was know your strengths. Yeah. Um, a lot of us know our weaknesses. We know what we're not good at, but we don't play on what, we're, what really makes us who we are. Yes, and you can combine them. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing about having agency. You can say, you know, I'm really interested in real estate and design and podcasting. Cool. Make a little gumbo of those three. Trial mm -hmm. out a few combinations. And my whole thing is, y'all, sorry, I know the third one was have the hard and uncomfortable conversations with family and friends mm -hmm. about money. Cool. Here's the thing, I really want, I think 2020 has really kind of shot our spirits down a lot. And I really want more people, and, and, and it's really easy to be like, well, I'm a woman, I'm an immigrant, mm -hmm. I'm black, so it's gonna be hard and all these other things. That's one way to go about it. 
another way to go about it is like, ooh, oh, I'm good at I'm good at talking to strangers. Oh, and I'm a good writer. Oh, and I know how to design. Oh, like get your like be excited about your own self. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And walk mm-hmm. through rooms like, yo, I'm excited to bring this combo to y'all. You want it? Mm-hmm. No? Cool. Cool, 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 cool. I'm gonna go find somebody who wants this. So you know what I mean? Like you can gamify your own life. You can design what you want. And I know that sounds easier said than done because I know what it means to be at the bottom of the bottom and not feel that gung-ho sort of energy. But I really want people to know that when you take that first step and you get a little bit more confidence because that first step was validated, you'll take another one and you'll get a little bit more confidence. And then you'll get another one and you'll get a little bit more confidence. And then you'll be like, you know what? My mom did say I could sing. Mm. Now you're at it. You're now you're on LinkedIn Live or IG Live doing songs and helping people build their brand. Like, you know, like why not? Why not? I feel like after 2020, there's no rules. There really isn't. It's like that's me. They showed us that it's like you need to just chase your purpose. Like, why are you here? Truly. And we talk a lot about mindset. We talk a lot about purpose on this show and living a life well lived. And that means yeah. being attached. It means being aligned to what makes me me and yeah. chasing that without fear. And that fear is a hard thing, right? Because yeah. it's easy to say, don't be fearful, walk in boldness. But the application of it is tough. So it's more. having that daily conversation about it right yes, um yes so eric can for those who are listening yes. and i know that you have some very exciting things on the horizon something yes. we can't talk about just yet but yes. what can you tell folks about your next step that they should look forward to and how can they find you mm. Okay, so the next step that I look forward to, I look forward to actively investing um, in the new year in amazing entrepreneurs who are um, uh, creating solutions that have lasting power and that can truly change change whatever industry that they're in in a really important way, seismic shifts. So I'm excited to officially start um, investing in entrepreneurs like uh, via cutting checks in the new year. Um, I am also really looking forward to, um, hopefully we get a green light with a partner that we're working with here in LA to, um, put all of what we just talked about today into a docu-series that ideally, uh, reaches your favorite streaming platform. So I'm excited to essentially sell our first, uh, show. Um, I'm also excited to, in the new year, um, honestly tell more of my story. I, uh, Honestly, I shared all these things today, but I've actually been quite stealth for the last like five or 10 years because I was just learning so much about people, the world, different places. And I just never was that person who was just like, we are here, we here, we in Greece. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, um, I'm an extrovert, but I'm a really strong introvert and I need to process and stuff. So I'm excited to share more about um, the way I connect with people, the way I travel, which is very thoughtful. It's very deep. There's a lot of texture to the way I connect with people. So I look forward to sharing those things. And where can people find me? Well, you can go to papertrail.media to drop your email address for when we launch our first podcast. We've been recording the podcast and we're so excited to release it in January. Um, You can, so papertrail.media. You can also follow us at papertrail.media on socials. And 
Also, you can follow me on social media, especially Clubhouse, but on social media at HeyAriCan. Um, I'm very active on Clubhouse because I, I love that format um, of just voice. It's super simple. You could be in your draws and have a great intellectual conversation mm-hmm. and not be pressed. So I love that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm most active on Clubhouse and um, I, I respond to emails. I respond to DMs. I respond to tweets. So um, feel free to always reach out. I'm really big on love. I'm really big on giving grace. I'm really big on, you know, supporting people that have the courage to send the message. So don't be afraid to say hello. Um, if I can't get back to you, I'll let you know when I can. And so slide in them DMs. They open. Slide in those DMs. Y'all heard. True. Um, and you have a website dropping soon, right? For, yeah, so Paper Trail Media is up and it'll be refurbished and st- stuff like that in the new year, but you can go there and drop your um, uh, your email. And com is also coming soon. Um, mm-hmm. We've always had a website, but I just put up a landing page because we're going to, you know, do some, you know, re- re- renovations. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so com that'll be uh, launching in Q1. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you guys make sure you check out papertrails.media. Um, we're looking forward to the podcast drop in January, as well as all of the different investments that you're going to be making. So um, thank you so much for being here, Eric. Thank you. They, well, yeah, first of all, let's give y'all your flowers. Okay. Thank you all for making space for this type of conversation. Thank you for showing up in all of your gifts. I've followed both of you and I just love how unique both of your different styles are. Thank you for the two of you being able to say, Hey, you know what? We should collaborate and believe that it could be a fruitful collaboration. Like we see that as an example. You know, others that are watching you, we get to see, oh, wow, they have a good, good rapport. Maybe I and my good friend could do that too. So I just want you to know that like every little step that y'all are taking, we see it and it, it is inspiration for us too. So thank you to both of you. Hey, thank, thank you me. for that. Receive that. Yeah. Receive yeah. that. All right. Well, we're going to take that. I think that's a beautiful place to stop right Let's there with it. that information. Well, for all y'all listening, we'll talk to y'all very soon. Take, cool, care. take care.